We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instinct Heart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Light years. Um, Andy, I was in a really good mood thinking we were going to get the five and two home stand. And then that fourth quarter hit, you know, uh, I, I was getting a little ahead of myself thinking seven and four, second best record in the West. Um, you know, just all sorts of like angels in the outfield type of oh, organization. Wow. And then, um, you know, reality came down. That was a disgusting fourth quarter. Yeah, the worst fourth. Although it's not like the Raptors' fourth quarter was <laughs> good by any means. But yeah, that was the worst quarter that the Warriors have played. Well, no, that's also not the worst quarter the Warriors have played because we watched the first two games of the season. But in terms of disappointment, in the homestand. <laughs> yeah, that, that was bad. In terms of disappointment, that was bad. Because like you said, they were on track there uh, to win this game. It, it did feel a lot like the Raptors game where they started off okay, then it kind of ramped it up a little bit, played a little bit better throughout, and then you kind of saw stuff fall off the wagons. Um, yeah, actually, the, the Raptors. The Raptors game is a great analogy because uh, you could say they they snuck away with that one. Um, well, karma hit of this game, so you know coming out one and one from those two games is probably yep. fair considering how they played like if they'd have gone two and zero against those two games that would have been some uh some ski mask hall of fame well the, well yeah i mean that's kind of the stuff where it's like expectations what are what are the expectations if you're going to play this way across both games and i think one-to-one is fair i think from a high level view it's it's you look at the homestand four and three uh before this homestand started we 
literally spent about 20 minutes on the last piece of the podcast and said, Hey, well, what are kind of, what would be a great homestand for this team? Right. And there's two ways you can look at it. One's the result. I think both of us were looking at three wins would be okay. Four would be nice. Five would be special. Uh, would be great. And then three, the process was the line. Four was happiness. Five yeah. was five was getting greedy. <laughs> and they stole a couple games, right? Like they, that Clippers game, they were down by 20. I actually didn't get to watch that live. I had to rewatch, rewatch that thing. And, and man, they, they stole that thing. Part of that is that's who the Clippers are. But part of that is also this <laughs> team kind of played out of their mind, you know, and then they started missing a couple of shots again. This is kind of what happens. But I think the process is okay. I think Steve, Steve Kerr, actually, where should we start? I'm going to start here. I'm going to start with Steph Curry. Um, to me, Sam, most of the blame on this game falls on him. Last game, he just missed a bunch of open shots, and, you know, I guess that just happens. This game, this isn't Davidson. You, these aren't high school, college players. You can't just – there were just too many times where he would give up an open three or a semi-open three and then either drive to the mid-range and not shoot or drive to the mid-range and shoot a contested floater or mid-range shot. I'd almost rather him shoot that mid-range shot. To me, that's just – that's not a, that's not acceptable. You can't do that. All right, let's let, let me let me bring this back a little bit. So, I do feel like our frustrations. It's two games: the Raptor game and the Pacer game. It's worth noting the Pacers' head coach was Nick Nurse's lead assistant coach. Uh, what's his name? Nate Bjornsson. Yeah. Um, both games they ran gimmicky defenses on Steph. A lot of box and one. Um. Jeez, I really do feel like I'm watching college basketball sometimes these days, watching them play, right? Um, and I, on some level, I do think Steph made the right play. I do think he passed out of it, but it also comes back to your point. Is the right play always the right play? Is Steph passing the ball to Kelly Oubre the right play? Well, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I mean, that's what we're getting to here. So it's like, I, I look at it from a process standpoint, like, he's not seen these type of defenses regularly because normally he plays with better talent. And now it's kind of down to how, what, what, when are they going to adapt? What, cause this isn't going to work. Like Steph being a decoy, like, yeah, it can happen game to game, but like long-term he needs to average close to 30 points. He needs to be one of the leading scorers in the league. He can't just be a guy who gets 20, but if you watch the game, you understood, you know? Uh, yeah, I like that you, you understand if you eye test, I think it's also the mentality that you go into the game with and how quickly you can change that. If you can even change that. Cause with Steph right now, he's coming in some of these games and saying, I'm going to go ahead and just pass the ball and get guys involved. I'm okay with that. I'm with you. Get Kelly Oubre involved, get Andrew Wiggins involved, get Draymond the four on three so he can lob to Wiseman, because I think that's what Draymond lives for at this point in his career. <laughs> it's, it's. It's a nice how play. You, it fair. is nice. But how can you pivot that to being aggressive shooting the ball when it's necessary? Like, that balance is hard. It's also, I think, fair to say Steph has to find that balance um, faster. Because right now, I see a lot of he's spending the first quarter playing this way. And then when the third quarter and today's, tonight's fourth quarter comes around, it's like, hey, man shoot the damn ball. <laughs> he shoots, he shoots that behind the back, you know, the double behind the back or the step back behind the back against holiday, right? Makes that three, which is hilarious because he makes that one misses the open ones, but then he goes back into a shell and starts forcing, you know, kind of mid range shots again, instead of just shooting the three. 
you know, one thing I'm seeing is, so he, he was getting trapped at the, uh, at half court, a lot of the game. And he's doing the thing where he passes to Draymond and cuts the corner yeah. and hoping for the relocation and like, okay. So the Ubre not knowing where to be is simultaneously hilarious and infuriating, but there's also, they're playing with the expectation that these guys are going to be able to find him relocating with like the, um, you know, like ping, 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 pinpoint passing. And I'm just wondering when an adjustment comes there because, uh, okay, one Draymond can do that, but like while Wiggins is a solid passer and Looney is a solid passer, neither of them are like Iguodala or Kevin Durant or like these guys are just exceptionally higher IQs. And then he also is not playing with, Clay or KD. Not playing with shooters, right. Guys who are going to, you know, it, it, there, there's no amount of movement Steph can do that's going to get a defender to leave Clay Thompson. And, and, and you know what? If they're dumb enough to leave Clay, he'll hit the shot, right? Like right now he's playing with guys. They're daring anyone else to make the shot. So I'm wondering what kind of tweaks they can do because this whole like Steph gives a ball up and hopes to get relocated thing, it works – with better talent, but this is a largely mediocre bunch, right? Yeah, and you can't even – I mean, I wouldn't even say Wiggins is a good passer. I mean, he's a good passer if he's taking it to the hole uh, and, and making a decision. Like, I would say, like, looking for Steph-wise, the only people that can do I that feel like he's a good passer. I feel like he's a good passer because I watch him next to Ubre. So, <laughs> yeah, I think me and you are probably better passers than, than Kelly Ubre. At least we may pass, although that's probably all we can do. But it's like – uh, they, they, the screen <laughs> like like come on looney um <laughs> it is actually and draymond um he's not so he's not playing with the right people around him we can start there kelly Oubre, james wiseman maximize the way they want to play yes yep yep it, yep james wiseman and kelly Oubre. kelly Oubre made a couple of threes tonight which is great to see james wiseman is struggling he is is it possible to hit a rookie wall <laughs> in 10 games because he's he's uh he is smashed against the wall right now and uh it's it's ugly out there for the kid i feel bad for him he's 19 years old and and you know one of the uh one of the best parts right now is draymond green hot mike and draymond green was yelling at him i guess not yelling at him it is draymond but he fouls us a bonus right and, and draymond at the free throw line is telling him hey like just get in front because he's not going to power over you if you can get there um, and I thought that's funny because he's basically yelling at him. And J- James Wiseman is standing there looking timid as hell. Um, and he's trying to process like 18 different things defensively and then 20 more things offensively. And he just – and he looks confused. Can I, get, can I go on a Wiseman rant real quick? And this go. is at Warrior Fans Online a little bit. Chill out on James Wiseman. He's well ahead of schedule, in my opinion. Yes, he makes mistakes like every other possession. He's also 19 years old. Like, you you can't grade him on the curve of he's not ready to anchor a championship team. You have to grade him on the curve of who he is as a player at this point. And for me, I'm seeing only positive things. You and I have had this discussion. Um, Previous to the season, that number two pick was worthless. This week, I've gotten texts from like five different people who are non-Warriors people asking like, would you trade Wiseman for Bradley Beal? Would you trade Wiseman for Siakam? Stuff like that. Like, 
he's a big time talent. It's going to take him a little time. There needs to be a little more patience. Like it's not his fault that the Warriors assembled a roster that requires him to be like the third best player for them to compete. You know, that's all I want to say. Like, it's, like he's, he's a work in progress. And actually I do have one complaint about his game, which is why is he no longer shooting three pointers? But, uh, but like with all that said, like he's very talented and he's, gonna be a work in progress for a while and that does mean some bad games but chill out a little bit guys <laughs> one of your calmer rants that i've heard i enjoy it i think it's right because i think we talk about this quite a bit too i love the passion though that warriors fans have um and i think it's it's, it's very interesting when i talk to uh, the larger contingent of people that aren't on twitter that watch the games and they usually say man wiseman is is fun to see he's making some mistakes but you know he's 19 that's, that's okay you'll live with it Right. And then you go on Twitter and you see like 50 people that are just actually probably even less that are just furious. And I think the passion is great. The issue is, my God, the Indiana Pacers are not a shitty team. The Indiana Pacers have two guys that are like, you know, they're not elite big men. Maybe, maybe some bonus is playing at an elite level, man. But these guys can ball. Miles Turner and, um, and, and Sabonis, like they can play Sabonis basketball. Sabonis is a player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, but like, it's, it's hard for the guy out there. Like, it's not like he's, he's not playing Jokic in 80, which he will, but these guys Those are, right are literally there. than like two of the next three games. <laughs> That's no, no, I know, I know, I know. Uh, and, and those are also the two best big men in the game. They are. Yeah. So it's, like, so it's going to be throwing, very throwing, throwing and bead. And yeah, there you go. Um, uh, I'm with you. Tonight? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I forget who's playing at an MVP level. Um, so I'm with you. I don't know how much more I left, have to add outside of, I think, Sam, that most people are probably relatively patient at Wiseman. Um, it's just, you know, people tend to get really angry. And I think that's just kind of the in-the-game stuff. And what do you expect? What I did not like is he showed – he seems to me that he's got a little bit of the Andrew Wiggins, like Minnesota Andrew Wiggins lack of motor out there. Uh, that was kind of the complaint about him coming into the draft. And I think I, I, I've, I've seen it the last couple of games. I he does, watch, sh- I he does shy more. away from physicality. Yeah, like, I want to watch not, more. It's not um, – you know how, like, you watch Draymond and, like, uh, you're not always impressed with his shooting skill or something like that, right? But, like, you're never, like, really worried about his, like, instinct to bang or anything like that. Like, Wiseman's a little different in that way. Like, I do wonder how much he likes to play through contact. Yeah, that that's that's it. Like, we'll see. I mean, Wiggins now is like going into contact. He actually turned the ball over a few times because he was looking for contact and trying to draw a foul. Russell but Wigsbrook. I, yeah, <laughs> but it's like I like to see that. We like to see that because it means he's aggressive. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Uh, again, we'll, we'll see. I think give him the rest of the goddamn season. I don't know. What do you What do you want to do? You want to play Looney until his hip falls off? You know, you want to play Draymond Green until again. You know, you want to play Draymond Green until he turns an ankle and is out for three games. Like I don't know what you're supposed to do here. And then maybe you can blame it on the front office for not getting enough bigs. But then Marquise Chris uh, broke his leg, and Aaron Baines and Marcus all didn't want to come because Clay got hurt. So it's you know, it's it's a lot of like you just said, Sam. It's he kind of needs to be the third, fourth best player right now. And (laughs) if he was, then he'd be Anthony Davis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I'm not even trying to go on a rant on fans or anything. I'm just trying to be like realistic with what he is and what the standards are right now. So let's take this back a little bit. Um, 
The Warriors are six and five. I think preseason, if I told you they'd be six and five through the first 11, when you looked at the roster on paper and you looked at the schedule, you'd probably say that's okay, right? I sneakily thought they'd be maybe like three, four wins. Remember we were talking about yeah, it? Like, yeah, like, yeah. We were, they were a little pessimistic. Like I thought they might be five and 12 or something like that. So, yep. They're starting to find an identity here. I think that's positive. Um, and, you know, we didn't even mention this. They played without Eric Pascal tonight, who used his last close personal friend card. No, just kidding. Um, uh, Steve Kerr said he thinks he'll play soon, so which means I don't think he has COVID. I think he's just a contact tracing okay. um, hold, but, you know, you never know. Um, so let's, let's take this a little bigger picture here before we get to um, – our segment with uh, Trista Crick of uh, this league podcast to discuss stuff slander. Um, they are, they, they went four and three through the homestand. They are firmly entrenched in the middle of the West playoffs. As we're looking right now at the standings, what my main take is, I don't know that anyone's going to run away at the, like I think this is I, I stand with my preseason prediction, which is this is going to be one of those years where like the bad teams have better records and the good teams have worse records, and everyone's kind of around five hundred. So I think the Warriors are in fine position right now. I, th- I feel like they're exiting their home stand. You know, you want to get greedy. You would have liked them to be seven and four and get away with the Indiana game and all that stuff, but like end of the day they're in pretty good position yeah this homestand told me that this defense can be legitimate um and i think a lot of it is energy because i'm watching andrew wiggins six blocks tonight like uh, he's better than kd on no, I'm kidding. um but six blocks tonight fantastic a lot of it too just being uh, uh being long right just being long and staying in front of the guy and getting a block against a smaller guard because he's so damn quick some of that was chased down. Kelly Oubre, he's always around the ball. Uh, Ken Bazemore. One of the big takeaways that I thought of, Sam, was that I wish a crowd was watching this defense because I think more than anything in the last, you know, bef- you know after the, the, the first KD season was that they really play to a crowd. And this team really wants to play to a crowd. Uh, the great teams were great, but it didn't matter. Like, they could play in front of nobody, drop 120. They can play play in front of everyone and drop 80 points. Like, they didn't give a shit. They were too good. This team, though, feels like they would be even better in front of a home crowd because it feels like, to me, they play in front of that energy. Um, I saw a Reddit post, Sam, about Kelly Oubre needing to play in front of some woman (laughs) uh, to play better. And He's a bullfighter. (laughs) This team team is an energy team. It's a great energy atmosphere team, and I saw some of that tonight. Uh, in the game, and I wish that they, uh, I wish that there was a crowd here. Hopefully, you know, maybe in the middle of the season or next year. But I think that this homestand did tell me, though, that Sam, that they could be a top ten defense. I had them in the top five, um, but it certainly tells me they should be in the top ten. They definitely can defend. And when you can sit, by the way, we should talk about this. Um, they're they're not really getting great center play. Like obviously, Wiseman's a work in progress in terms of defense, like all rookies are, but. Is it too early to say Draymond? I might be right. Draymond is the defensive player of the year because I think he single-handedly won the Toronto game. And um, 
I think his value is really showing. Like uh, Wiggins is a solid defender who is playing better because he plays with Draymond. He mentioned it in the last post game, which we didn't get to discuss on the podcast. He says, the guys behind me, you know, I trust them. They, they have my back. To me, that was all about Draymond on defense where he's – I don't want to take it as a veiled shot at Carl Anthony Towns, but it's like it's a lot easier to defend as a wing defender if you know the guy behind you will do his job correctly. You know, like you don't have to worry about overhelping because the guy behind you is a sieve, whatever it may be. And it's really bringing out the best of Wiggins. What do you have, five, six blocks tonight? What was that? Um, yeah. And in general, I do feel like Wiggins has been really impactful on defense. You know, his jump shot's going to come and go as it, as it does. Um, I don't think you or anyone is thinking he's going to turn to Kevin Durant as a shooter. <laughs> but um, what I really like seeing with him is, like, the defensive intensity is there every night. And I, I do feel like that's, like – I mean, that's a that's Draymond's value right there. He's taking a guy with tools who's maybe been inconsistent his whole career and turning him into a guy that, like, now everyone's like, I always knew he could be a good defender. Is there a, more, is there a better encapsulation of Draymond Green tonight than absolutely locking Sabonis down? Like, it, to me, it's like there's no... Sabonis has no fucking chance against Draymond Green if you're going to go once, right? If you get Draymond to actually guard a few more, three people at once, yeah, you got a shot. Maybe Holiday will make a three. And then he comes back down at the other end and misses an absolutely wide open dunk. I mean, that is Draymond Green right now in his career. Uh, a superb defensive player. I'm with you, defensive player of the year. Because just, just off, if you go off narrative, right? You go off narrative and look at who the Warriors were before he played. You look at the Warriors now. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Um, but on offense, just absolutely useless right now. Um, he's fine. He's directing people to the right places. It organizes them. Uh, I think a few too many times today, he's trying to get James Wiseman that lob when he has a wide open dunk or a wide open layup because he probably shouldn't be dunking. So um, Draymond is fun to watch. He's fantastic. Uh, the offense leaves a little bit. It's just, it's, you see the limitations and uh, we'll see if he can uh, see if he can maybe take it to the hole and actually try laying it up in the next few games. But, uh, defensive player there. Is there is there even anyone else? Anthony Davis has not really played that hard this season. Rudy I mean, it's, al- kinda- it's also like a dozen games in. So, like, I, I don't want to get too much into it. But, like, honest, they're not giving it to Giannis. It, it, yeah, it, it, goes, mean- it goes without saying that Draymond, at minimum, this is what should matter to Warrior fans. Draymond's in shape. He's got his wind. He's finally, back to, he's finally back to where he should be. And... Is he uh, is he is he any worse of a defender than Prime Draymond? Because I I feel like he's proving to me that like he just needed to get healthy because he looks as good as he's ever looked on defense. Like we can, the offense is you know that's another that's a three hour podcast we can do later this week. But <laughs> defensively, he looks as good as he's ever looked to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And he's doing it with guys who are I mean he's doing it with guys who are not Andre Godala, Clay Thompson, Andrew Bogut, Kevin Durant, all these guys. So all that's positive. Anyway, um, before we get to our interview, I want, I want final thoughts from you on this homestand before, you know, th- they're going to play Denver Phoenix and the Lakers three games oh in five nights, I think. So uh, yeah. we'll, we'll pod after Thursday's Denver game. Uh, they play Phoenix on Friday, and then they have the Lakers on MLK Day. Yeah, I think uh, 
this is a this is a tough one. So they're six and five right now. You don't want them to come out six and eight. It, it could be possible because these th- three teams are better than them today. I guess the most excited I'm wa- uh, game I'm watching for is probably the Phoenix Suns. I think we know who we've gotten out of the Nuggets. I think it'll be a shootout. I think the Lakers might be a bit of a beatdown. Uh, I think the Phoenix Suns will be interesting just because you got the number one um, team in pace versus the last team in pace. And it'll be fascinating to see what type of dirty shit that Chris Paul pulls and the type of and the, the type dirtiest. of pace, the absolute dirtiest and what type of game it'll actually be. They've got they've got the, they they run very slow half court sets. They're actually not that fun to watch me personally, um, but they're extremely effective just because they got the right players around guys. Um, I don't enjoy. It's a very them. Chris Paul team. It's it's the it's Pete Chris Paul and guess what? It freaking wins you games and it's gonna win them a, pl- a playoff series maybe two. Um, so that's probably the game I want to see most. Um, and the one I'm not looking forward to is the Lakers because I mean, just can you imagine Anthony Davis and LeBron getting rebounds against James Wiseman? Like, just it's it's not a good sign. They're they're thin inside right now. It's gonna be rough. But um, actually, before we get out of here, I want to talk about this. So um, we're we're recording this while post games going on. Um, oh God, are we? Sorry, I thought we were gonna talk about fits. No, no. Steve Kerr's put out a couple quotes here, which I think we need to respond to. He says, um, people are going to throw everything at Steph. That's a big theme this season. We've got to do a better job of attacking what people are throwing at us. We'll get better at it. Um, I don't think he's fatigued. He's seeing different pictures. Teams are either jumping out and soft blitzing him or playing a box in one. A lot of secondary actions we would have got a few years ago we're not quite ready to see that's got to come. Okay, so I think he's right because he understands that – I cannot believe I'm doing this. I can't believe it. <laughs> it is, I can't believe it. Is that they're going to see a lot more of this and they just can't have Steph run. They just can't have Steph shoot 32 times a game and just force his way through triple teams and, and box and ones. They, they weren't even playing full box and one the whole time. A lot of times it was just like it was a zone and then just it was just it was just different looks that Steph and, and probably this is part of why Steph wasn't aggressive, but they can't just have him shoot 30 plus times a game. And also, I don't think Sam and I are asking him to shoot 30 plus times a game. It's just you got to look for your shot a little bit more. Of, um, and Steph is going to always going to err on the side of get Kelly Oubre involved versus let me get my eight shots in the first five minutes kind of guy. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to be kind of a big theme to watch for going forward. So I guess, I guess that's where we're going to end with this before we get to. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Nope, 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 nope. I just realized fit Sam. It's just, this is so bad. And I I do actually, I can't hear you talk about it, but are you serious? Like the game that James Wiseman played tonight, I don't know if it was awful, but it was good. And he's just out there shilling, absolutely shilling, talking about how he has so many fouls. They can't hey, play if he season, has to... You got to get season ticket renewals, man. It is unreal. The game itself was pretty damn good up until the last five minutes of the fourth quarter. And you've got Fitz out here complaining about how the Pacers shooters have been shooting 25 or 27 or 29% this season. So these shots shouldn't be going in when these guys are decent shooters and it's been a small sample size. So he's just running back his old like bs shilling quotes while games are fan it's like a uh it's like a uh like a demented version of what we see from mark jackson and jeff van gundy where those guys are complaining about some some bull crap it's also like i mean i want to bring this up once once you've seen the warriors be great 
And once you know what they're capable of, running the Kohan era media BS, it's just small, man. They're better yeah. than that. They can do better than that. Like Fitz is capable of better. Okay, obviously this isn't the peak Durant era, like dynasty, like unbeatable juggernaut where you can be like an arrogant dick. But like be somewhere better than acting like it's the OOs and you're acting like it's a conspiracy theory that Monte is not getting free throws. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great way to put it. Just stop acting like you're in OKC. Jeez. Yeah, there we go. That's the best way to put it. Stop acting like you're in OKC. Maybe we'll name the pod that. (laughs) All right, add read, and then we'll be back on the second half. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Community Discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of all that, we'll get you your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. That is bwhustle.com slash joy. Look, no one's perfect. Even the best baseball players strike out with the bases loaded. The best golfers sometimes three-pot with the tournament on the line. So if you feel like you're coming up short in the bedroom sometimes, it's perfectly okay. But if it's bothering you, there are options. Go to roman.com slash now. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward and discreet. 
Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash light years and complete an online visit. Take care of your ED without leaving your home. Complete an online visit today to connect with the doctor and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash light years and get $15 off your first month. Look, there's a straightforward way to take care of your ED. Getroman.com slash light years. Get started now to save $15 off your first month of treatment. And next up, we have the host of the This League podcast, Trista Crick. Uh, Trista, so I was listening to your podcast that you released uh, on Monday. And you had a segment on Steph Slander. And Andy and I... You know, this year, I don't think the Warriors are contending for for much in terms of playing for a championship with the clay injury and what is a uh, mediocre roster outside of Steph and Draymond Green. So it's kind of the Steph Curry redemption tour, if you will. Absolutely. So I'm making I'm making time for every person who who has pondered how good he really is, and we're yeah. starting with you. So this we're <laughs> gonna let, we're gonna let the audience be the judge and jury and decide if they're going to. Uh, show um some sort of forgiveness or if you're officially on the negative list of Steph stands so what do you want to know first why I why I pondered that to begin with is is LeBron James the greatest basketball player of all time (laughs) Trista no ah okay okay we're good there who is the best greatest basketball player of all time it's Michael Jordan it's not close I'm not I'm not in my mid-20s Come on now. There, see, this, it's this not is like my thing. only memory of Jordan is the rim check for the Wizards. Like that's why people don't think Jordan's the best. Well, you, I ask that because no, usually it's the LeBron fans that that uh, don't they like are. stuff as much. You know what's yeah. what's funny to me actually is the more and more you dig into this, there's a high correlation between Steph hate and LeBron stance. Mm-hmm. They are not, in my view connected exactly wait so you don't think they're connected because i would i would also argue there is a hard a high collection a high correlation the other way people who dislike lebron tend to really like steph curry too so for me it's it's not a correlation in terms of i think that they're both great why i say i don't think they're connected in my mind from my opinion exactly uh is because you can say that maybe partially it's connected in the fact that they're both playing at the same time and what LeBron has been able to do and elevating very mediocre players to extreme heights makes us all expect that of every other great player. And so if you cannot do that, which really there's not very many people on the planet that can, if that's your standard, then everybody's kind of trash. But the expectation of Steph is that he should. And now we're going to get to see how high the Warriors can go with just him. Yeah. So you were saying um, on your segment, you said you thought Steph was done washed. It wasn't a comment on what he'd done in the past. You just kind of thought like the era of Steph being one of those upper echelon guys was over. No, I didn't say that was my opinion. I think that that was the collective hate. Is okay. that it doesn't matter what Steph has accomplished. He could, he, he's a two-time MVP, been to the finals five times, but because we've seen only five games of him last year, right? then obviously 
the broken hand and then the pandemic and then we haven't seen him for nine months because he wasn't in the bubble and then he starts off a little slow and our yep. brains are just dumb and then we are on twitter all day yep. and yep. it's like yeah you know what maybe steph, has, maybe steph has lost a step maybe he can't carry a team maybe he does need these all-stars to be his greatest maybe he needs to be unlocked by the likes of clay and kd and draymond as a cohesion Maybe he's not the key to the lock. And it appears that that take was very, very wrong. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, even Warriors fans had that. T- some Warriors, some, I should say, uh, some Warriors fans had that day too, where there are just like a couple games of, of Steph not playing well. It's like, oh, whoa. Whoa, is he? Oh, is a little he, reactionary, a little. Um, oh, yeah. Little, everyone was a little tight waiting to, you know, wait for Steph to have one of, well, I guess the 62-point performance was kind of like the, Guys, he'll be okay. Performance, right? And I'm a Portland Trailblazer fan. So that <laughs> one really stung hard. I guess it's been stinging hard, hard for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he does some dirty things to the Blazers. That's for sure. So you would think that I would atone, or I would shut my mouth, or even just shut my brain off to that. But no, I think it's really just when Steph looks bad, he looks really bad. He very careless with the rock shoots the ball at any point in time just because he wants to from half court, basically. And when it's not going in, he's not going to reevaluate shooting as much as possible. And so on bad nights, it just kind of compounds in your mind of like, wow. Yeah, I like the the Blazers one, though. I like like the Blazers one, though, because that one's one's a uh, Warriors – the Warriors and Blazers have a, a very interesting relationship. I mean, more specifically, it's it's Dame yeah. and Oakland fans, and then Dame from here. How and then also there was a lot of people that have been saying that Dame is a better point guard coming into the season than Steph Curry. So he he did have a better 2019-20 season. Pretty hard to dispute that one. Can't so. can, uh, <laughs> can say no to that. No. And I think also Damian Lillard is someone that like, he plays in a similar style as Steph, I think, aesthetically, from an on-the-ball perspective. So I think that's where, the, that's where the fun similarities are. A lot of people choose to – a lot of people enjoy it. I think it is a Twitter thing, though. You mentioned that people don't want to enjoy it because people just like being angry at things or like comparing things. So instead of enjoying LeBron James as a basketball player, Damian Lillard as a basketball player, and Steph Curry, then it becomes like, well, shoot, three games in. Only, we can only like one of them. We, can, we are only allowed to like <laughs> – one of these guys we're putting them them into tears we're all putting them into these different levels of what kind of player that they are and i would say that arguably anthony davis is not a top five player unless he's playing with lebron and there's plenty of people that become elevated as a result of who they play with sure just because of the looks that they get just because sure. the yeah. you know people like lebron are taking attention away from players like Anthony Davis who would normally get blitzed. So once they're alone and then you can blitz a player like Steph Curry and he's not a great defender. He is obviously undersized, which we know that teams like the Raptors can go after him and quote unquote neutralize him. Then you're like, oh, well, have they figured him out? Is there a blueprint when there's no other guys on this very young, slightly uh, mediocre roster uh, that he's going to go to when you double him or box and one. And, it, and the truth is uh, that was a dumb take. He can get off at any time and he can get off from anywhere. 
And it appears that he's got a chip on his shoulder like he did back in the Davidson days, which is, it's great for us. All the Steph slander, in my opinion, is probably the best thing that we could possibly have for basketball because now he's taking it personally. And now he's leading the team in rebounds on some nights. He's doing things with the basketball from a passing standpoint that we haven't seen in a while. I think he's come with a vengeance. I think he's probably going to win the MVP this year if he keeps it up and the Warriors make the playoffs. You were um, you were saying a lot of people kind of uh, a lot of the slander comes from the fact when Steph is off, he's a little more off than yeah. the other superstars. Like it looks more. And I'm just wondering, do you think most of it is related to Steph? Because I want to bring this back to like someone like Damian Lillard. Like Dame mm-hmm. kind of plays like Steph. Like they're both shooting from 30 feet more times than anyone else in the league. Right. He just doesn't move without the ball the same way. that. Right. But I would also say like when Dame has nights where he just can't hit a three. And I feel like those nights he'll do the thing in the second half where he's like, well, I'm just going to barrel to the rim and get 15 free throws or something like that. And that's not traditionally something Steph does, but that's kind of like more in line with like how we traditionally view basketball. It's like some nights you just don't hit jumpers and you have to find another way to affect the game. Whereas like, when Steph's not hitting jumpers, he's doing weird stuff moving off the ball and randomly yep, Damian Lee's getting up. layups, so it's a little less direct. Um, it's always been my theory that, like, just because his game is kind of, like, antithetical to, like, the way we're used to superstars playing, there's, like, a segment of people who are like, well, he's a great shooter, but I don't think he's all that people claim him out to be because it looks different. Is he nice around the rim as much as, say, someone like – Kyrie Lillard is or Kyrie is and and the answer is I don't know maybe I think he can be but that's just not his natural inclination to do that um because he doesn't have a ton of meat on his bones I wouldn't want to go in the trees and get pounded either especially if my confidence was already a little shaken up with me not hitting from wherever I want I think when you just double down and you're like I'm gonna shoot from 35 feet now Uh, I don't care that I'm ice cold. I think eventually that it will go in. There are games like that two of 16 night that you're just bound to see. And it's, it's kind of hard to watch. But then as a Steph fan, then if they win, we give them all the credit. So it all works out. (laughs) Even when he shoots, there was, I think the worst shooting performance that he's ever had against Toronto, uh, Mm -hmm. I believe. Yeah. And then they won the game. So, so what we do, Trista, is we go on Twitter, then we say everything that happened is attributed to Steph Curry. It's kind of like the same as LeBron stands. You know what I mean? It's like the same thing. It's no matter what happens, you blame everyone else. And then no matter what happens after that, if they win, you give it all to him. I actually think that's not a great thing in terms of the way that you view basketball. I think it actually has made basketball discourse a little bit more toxic or a lot more toxic in the last five years. Where people are just like, well, I love Steph Curry or I love LeBron James then it's like those guys can do no wrong. Or I love Kyrie Irving, right? Then it's like no nuance in that conversation ever. And you can't say anything bad about them. If you do, you're just going to get destroyed no matter what. I, you know, that, that's, it has, it's been a little annoying. Um, I don't know if you've seen the same stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, and the thing that I think is the funniest part about Channing Fry and what he did on Twitter <laughs> right. is that you know – and this is my opinion. I don't have any. This is, I don't have any facts to go on this. But this is my opinion that if if you say something, and you're sticking up for one of your friends, you have had that conversation with your friend. If you're going out publicly, and if yeah. that friend somewhat agrees, very much agrees, as long as he doesn't vehemently disagree, you sort of have his cosign. 
And I think to a degree, LeBron agrees with Channing Frye's take that he has elevated, we'll call them scrubs, loosely, we'll call them scrubs, and believes that Steph Curry gets way more love than he deserves as it relates to MVPs, accolades, et cetera. And it's like, well, this dude's nice, but he's not as nice as me. And so I think that's why they're, they're so connected because, I mean, part of it is probably LeBron driving that narrative. I also think the you know, LeBron fans are probably right to say Steph didn't single-handedly stop him because no one single-handedly stops. It's like it's a team game, right? It's also LeBron's not playing by himself, though. Right. But I want to the, – the other point I want to make is, like, LeBron's the chosen one. He's had the hype since 15 or even before. He's lived up to the hype, you know, and more. Yeah. But it was kind of like when he went back to Cleveland, that was supposed to be his time to, you know, get four, five, six, whatever it may be, like challenge Jordan. And then the Warriors, I mean, they won the title in 15 and they were still not favored by Vegas. They were like the fourth or fifth most, uh, they had the fourth or fifth highest title odds after that which is to say like no one saw that team coming like obviously we all remember like how much of a kind of a fever pitch it was when they won 73 games and kind of they're changing basketball and that whole thing but it does kind of speak to kind of they were that was supposed to be like LeBron's time to rack up the rings and God, he might end up doing it with the Lakers anyway but like it, it, it was it was one of the only things I can think of in basketball in my lifetime where like someone no one saw coming kind of led a team that ended up being I don't know if you want to call them dynasty or a mini dynasty or just some sort of run like that. Cause I feel like everyone else in basketball history, it's like it's magic and bird. And then like, eventually it's Jordan and but everyone saw Jordan coming and it's Shaq and Kobe. Everyone saw that coming. And then like, you know, it was just a matter of time before it was LeBron's time. So I feel like that also kind of fuels the hate. Yeah. I think when you feel like that's the thorn in your side and, and those LeBron stands will say that that first warriors ring doesn't count. <laughs> doesn't count because yep. Kevin Love yep. wasn't playing and Kyrie wasn't playing. And so then when Kyrie and Kevin, they won, and then you had KD. And so then those rings don't count either. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's literally like two LeBron stands, none of the Warriors rings count. <laughs> you know what there's I mean? A, there's an and, asterisk. There's an and asterisk the, and, every And time. the thing is, like, I think you can make those arguments and people will be like, yeah, that makes sense. And then you can turn around and you can make the same arguments for the Warriors, right? And you could say, these are the reasons why these rings are harder than everyone else's. And then here are the reasons why LeBron's rings don't count. Or that you've like, there are so many things that, you know, Eastern Conference, how did you choke against the Mavs? There's so many things. There's just, you can argue all day. It's just, I think the part that is the most fascinating to me is that it is now said on a large national platform, like you just said about Channing Fry, where it's like, now we got Channing Fry. And I thought you made a spe- like an incredible point, which I hadn't thought about. It's like, if he said this, he's talked about this with LeBron. And we understand, like, I can I agree with you. Like, that's probably what LeBron thinks. And that's the reason why some of this is being driven nationally. And it is a little bit weird because at the end of the day, if you were... I don't know. Like, if you beat someone at something, don't you want to say that they're one of the greatest people to ever do it Absolutely. so that you can be known as, right? Like, it's just a little odd if you're going to talk shit about that person that you beat because if they're really not so great, then how the hell did he beat you? Or how the hell was he part of beating you? You know what I mean? Yeah, don't, you want, don't you want the opposite? It's like that was one of the greatest teams led by one of the best players of all time, and I defeated them. 
you know? Well, now, because you have, you still have the guy, the 73 and nine, and they lied Twitter account. Right. right. That's like the ultimate, the ultimate LeBron Stan account right. where he'll post stuff up all the time about how LeBron beat the greatest team to ever live because, you know, they had never had, there was no regular season uh, record like that before, yep. um, which means that everything that happened after the fact was just the Warriors trying to basically thwart LeBron's greatness. It's like, who's, who's thwarting who at this point? It was just a great, a great set of finals that we all got to live through. And now we're not going to obviously see that again. Um, but yeah, back to the Channing Fry. you know that if he spoke to LeBron about it, cause you know, he's talked, they've talked about it. LeBron's right. like, no dude, like Steph Curry is that dude. Then Channing Fry would never say that ever again in life. Oh, absolutely. If, if LeBron was like, just shut the fuck up. Sorry. Can we cast on this? Yes. If he was like, dude, be, be quiet. This is, that's an absurd comment. Channing Fry would never even think about writing that again. The fact that he would create an entire thread about it means there's been, in my mind, in my logic, there's been multiple conversations where there's even a, there's even a more extreme viewpoint that we're not even hearing. Oh, yeah. And so that, oh, this yeah. brings me to my, like, <laughs> my, the last thing I want to talk about here is, has Steph replaced LeBron as the number one talk show lightning rod like you know how like for like a geez 15 years skip bayless made a career out of like Le, Le, it's like lebron scores 30 but you know like that sort of thing and it's like it, it, it was good business for him clearly but like and before that it was kobe i remember in the oos particularly after Shaq left it was like you can't you know kobe ran Shaq out of town and Kobe was like Mr. Lightning Rod. Is Steph officially the biggest lightning rod and in the NBA right now? Let, let me add on to that too, Sam, because you know what that means? When someone is the lightning rod in all the talk shows, that they're going to get loved. Because when you see someone get bashed like that so often, then there's the backlash to the backlash to the backlash to the backlash. Then it becomes... The retirement years. tour where everyone pretends they never said what they said exactly. five years ago. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, I was just going to add on there because I see I that think, coming. I think that's true. I mean, you could tell because I posted a, I thought, a cogent, like, condensed version of the segment on Twitter. And people were like, this girl doesn't know shit about basketball. Who is she? <laughs> well, that's also just Twitter. But, yeah. Get out of here. This is cringe. Like, how could you ever think that Steph like that I was just the only one in an echo chamber, even imagining in my mind that there was a possibility that Steph could not lead a team by himself. Cause that's really the only argument that I have. It's not, he's not great or that he's not the greatest shooter maybe that we've ever seen it. Is he capable of taking scrubs and elevating them into the playoffs? Or is he the guy that breaks his hand and says, you know what? I'm going to chill the rest of the season. I mean, I'd never heard the term floor, uh, floor razor versus ceiling razor before Steph. Like they, just these like weird hypotheticals that people's like, <laughs> well, you know, Russell Westbrook will raise the floor higher than Steph. If you put him with three dudes in the YMCA and, you know, um, New Orleans Noel, like, like that's, that's some sort of magic. That is. There are all types of arguments out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, I mean, so yeah, I, I guess that's, I guess that's where we're living. This is uh, Steph's chance to have his 2006 Kobe Bryant, you know, 2017 Russell Westbrook, 
we're not winning a title, but I know you are changing the game to my game because you want to see what I'm doing every night. Well, and that's actually, that's, that's a problem. And actually, yes. And that's a problem that Steph has because he doesn't think like that. So Tristan, you made the point earlier where it's like, Steph is not that guy to say, I mean, I disagree in that he, he goes to the hole and he's one of the best finishers in the hole, but I agree wow, in the paint, in the hole. That's a pause. Um, but he is one of the best, he is one of the best, um, or he's uncomfortable being that guy to say, Hey, Steve, fuck off. Eric Pascal stand in the goddamn corner. You guys watch me what I can do, right? He's not that guy. And some people are going to be, well, that's super beta of Steph Curry, but that's just kind of who he is, right? Versus someone like Russell Westbrook who has to scream and yell at all times and tell you how great he is. Steph is just like, well, I mean, he's, he's a son of an NBA player. He's generally a very nice person, a very good person. And he's just not that guy that's going to yell at someone to do something like stand in the corner, which is like, I mean, something I told Sam was like, Steph's going to have to kind of get his LeBron on at some point this season and just say, James Wiseman, if you don't want to do this, you can get your ass on the bench, right? Stuff like that. And I don't think you'll ever see Steph do that. But I think that's what people wanted to see out of him in comparison to people like Russ. I mean, I I don't want to psychoanalyze, but that's kind of like, I would say a part of the argument of our machismo culture of how how we decide what true leadership looks like. And that leader that's the most vocal and the most aggressive and they go to the whole more aggressive, like Steph is a finesse guy. The things that he does, he can do them in a way that's smooth. And he, we he's like never going to dunk over a seven footer like no. Westbrook or Dame. For he's sure. never like putting his nuts on like some defender's face. Like, yeah. that's <laughs> not, and then he's not going to like stare down at you. He's going to be like, what are we doing here? And I think that's part of the criticism as well that I had was he's a son of an NBA player. He's always had it somewhat easy. He's always been sort of in a nice cocoon of warmth. Hasn't, yes, he's been underrated. Yes, he's had a chip on his shoulder in that way. But like the struggle for Steph and for Clay to a degree, and that's part of the Clay argument that sometimes people will say about them both is that when you are a child of an NBA player, it's just a different vibe. And so you don't have that additional gear when adversity comes. That's incorrect. Yeah, I mean, it's all kind of, it's all surface level analysis, but like that, that's also stuff like, yeah, he doesn't, you're right. He doesn't stare people down like a, like he, like an NFL player who made a big hit. It's like more of the, it's the shimmy and shrug. And it, in some ways that's more infuriating. It's like this dude just dropped 60 on me and he's like smiling. Like he doesn't know what he's done. Like a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually why why players hate him. Um, It's because, because of that. I mean, the stuff that you're, you mentioned is all why, like, I mean, let's talk like LeBron, like he's, he's probably like, well, like you grew up in the NBA. Like you haven't been able to, to quote unquote, deal with the same stuff. Like that's why guys, that's why guys hate him. And to me, it's like, I don't know what stuff's supposed to do, do about that. I, there's really not much you can do. I know Marcus Thompson wrote an entire book on this and that's why he never felt like he was part of this kind of uh, group or, or whatever. And th- that the NBA has kind of led by, you know, LeBron because Steph is Steph is Steph Curry. He's not, and you can kind of look at it another way too, where it's like the guy went to Davidson, he wasn't recruited going into Davidson, and even coming out of the the even coming out of college, he wasn't going to be a superstar. And it took him a few years to get there. Versus like you watch Luka Doncic, and it's like guy's a superstar year two, like 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 that was not the case for Steph. So it's a little different. It's a little weird, and guys probably resent him because of it. 
Yeah, and I think as fans or people who are watching, when there are a large percentage of NBA players that don't like some player, you have to wonder, even though that's dumb and you broke that down pretty well about why, but we think to ourselves, like, why? why? Like, there right. must be something about Steph that we shouldn't like. If LeBron doesn't like Steph and I like LeBron and I'm on team LeBron, then I basically right. have to say fuck Steph, which is not true, but that's what people do. Like, that's right. what followers legitimately do. And that's if, if you're not paying attention and you're lazy, that's where your mind sort of drifts off to when you see a bad night from Steph. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why Steph's not that good. Yep, yep. I think we'll end it there. I think yeah. we've gotten sufficient time. I think it, it's time for the uh, the jury to convene. Andy, are are we going to exile her or are we going to forgive her for the previous Steph's slam? No, I, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a LeBron stan. My go- I love all. <laughs> I love all. So what I'm doing is I'm bringing her into being a Steph fan because I love Dame. You know, I love Dame. I, I, I like LeBron. He's fine. Uh, you know, so you know, I, I think I think the more people that enjoy basketball, I think is really what we what we need. And uh, I think that was a great point that you made. It's like people just got to enjoy this whole thing, man. Like it's really not that serious. And sometimes you see Warriors fans, Steph fans, LeBron, all of them worth it. Just kidding. Things get personal on the timeline, so I appreciate you coming. Yeah, on. We, we definitely have our own lunatic friends who are, you know, quasi jihadis. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't need to <laughs> encourage them. But um, before we get out of here, Trista, is there anything you want to plug? I have a episode coming out this Friday of this league. Uh, lots to cover. Obviously, the Kyrie saga continues. COVID saga continues, and we hit some voicemail. So please listen. Please subscribe, rate, review. I would really, really appreciate it. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com